Welcome back to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today, we are doing a part two from last week. The question was, <laughs> Michael, I want to buy a new Bible. I'm in the market. You know, what do I buy? People ask him this all the time. So last week, we really discovered the exterior of the Bible, mm-hmm. the binding, and then the Kinds material of covers and that the covers yeah. are made. Yep. And so if you didn't listen to that and you want to know that part, go back. Otherwise, today we are going to start talking about the interior, how to cool. look at what's inside and, and what matters and how to choose what you like. Okay. One more thing about the cover real quick. Sure. Is, and I'll, just because I like the word, it's YAP, Y-A-P-P, <laughs> the word YAP. Mean? So these Bibles that I'm showing Hannah, the cover doesn't really go over the pages very much. So if you get a yap, it will come over and protect the edge. Okay, interesting. So in the higher-end Bibles that I mentioned last week, like the Schuyler and Allen Bibles, they have these big yaps. I don't like them. I see the advantage of them, Mm -hmm. but they look like you're wearing your dad's shirt. (laughs) It's too big. But anyway, so when you get in these high-end Bibles, take a look at the yap. All right. Inside, at least three things. Number one, font. Number two, column. Number three, cross-references, and then we'll break out some other things. Okay. So the font size is important for obvious reasons. If you've got good young eyes, get whatever you like. Right. Your vision begins there. But the other thing people don't take into account is the physical size of the Bible. Yeah. The smaller the font, the smaller Bible you'll get away with. Right. The bigger the font, the bigger the Bible. It's just sort of corollary. Most Bibles are in the 9 to 11 font category. I don't think I've ever seen a Bible that wasn't serif. Okay, Interesting. It's supposed to be easier for the eye uh-huh. to read the serif than sans serif. And then if you get into giant print or large print, yeah. I did look up and there is actually a 13-point font wow. giant print Bible yeah. now. I bet. <laughs> and to get to that, they've got to get rid of everything. Uh-huh. There's no center column. Uh-huh. There's no cross-references. Uh-huh. They're edge to edge. But you know, depending on your eyes and how you use it, yeah. it might be a good option. Yeah. Columns, often overlooked, and I brought these two. Have you ever thought about the difference between a split column and a single column Bible? No. Yeah. People don't. People don't. Because you just get a Bible, and there are advantages and disadvantages. This particular Bible I'm showing Hannah has a single column, but it's got a cross-reference on the outside edge of the margin. Yeah, it's kind of nice. The other one that I've been using for a long time is a double column with the cross-references in the middle. Mm -hmm. And these Bibles are the same size. And the one reason I wanted to bring them in physically to show Hannah, when you look at it, what's easier on your eye? The single column with just the cross-references kind of in the margin. And what else do you notice? Yeah, there's a lot more white space around the whole page for your notes or, uh uh-huh. And these Bibles are the same size. Yeah, Give or take. That's crazy. So this has to do with paper, with font, and column. Now, the columns, now, you also notice the NASB, they always start the verse on the far left of the page yeah. with the verse number. Yeah. Most Bibles now are gone to a paragraph format. Uh-huh. So it looks more like a chapter book. Yep. NASB has never done that until 2020. They have a new update on 2020, and they actually have a paragraph Bible option. It just depends visually, and I can't underscore this enough. Take a look at them side by side, which is why I referenced that one site. I believe it's discountbible.org that shows you the pictures, and you can probably go to your image search and find the same thing. So don't overlook the columns. Now, other thing about the columns, and this goes into number three, is cross-references. Both these Bibles have cross-references. Do you and do your friends use cross-references? 
I can't say I've ever asked a friend like, "Hey, yeah. are you using your well, I mean, in Bible studies, I mean, oh, it says, <laughs> but this, yes, I do. I this do. little tiny C. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, most people don't. Yeah, and if you don't, then you'll get more margin. You'll get a smaller text. You'll get wider margins. I mean, just think through this logically. I love cross references. Yeah. And I think if you're really trying to study your Bible and track down things, I mean, you might, you know, we're right here open to Proverbs 29, 23. He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. So rebukes and flatters both have cross references. And I probably would like, okay, what is the Bible? I know what I think the English word rebuke means, but what really is like mm -hmm. the biblical context for that? Okay, I'm going to go to that cross reference, find it in a few other ways. And that helps me just have a greater understanding of that word, that verse. And the history of cross-references is amazing. Oh, I can't imagine. Because the first reference, the first cross-reference goes back to the first occurrence of something. Yeah. And it yeah. builds. That's and amazing. then you got to be selective as you go forward. So anyway, so cross-references. We have not talked about study Bibles. I am no longer a fan of study Bibles. If you want one at home, there's just as a side sidebar, there are two kinds of study Bibles committee versus individual. Uh -huh. So a MacArthur or yeah, a Ryrie, Ryrie. is uh -huh. by one author. Yeah. A committee like the New International Version Life Application Notes, which actually are yeah, very good. Yeah, you used good. to recommend the yeah, Life Application they're very study good. Bibles a lot. I prefer it in the NASB. Sure. And they have it in other versions, but they had committed. They got the expert on First Peter. They got the yeah. expert on John yeah. to do those notes, as opposed to one person. Yeah. And the Net Bible is an online Bible that has a tremendous set of cross references that surpasses most study notes, study Bibles. So, the size of a study Bible is one thing. Now they do have some cool tools. They've got reading programs in them. They've got a better glossary, a better reference, a better dictionary in the back. People don't use maps anymore, but they have a more robust study setup. Uh, precept people may like some of the open Bible was a big one years ago. Anyway, I'm not a fan of them because of Tom Constable's notes. I was just going to say, if only Tom Constable had a study Bible, you'd probably recommend it. Well, yeah, that's that's one of my regrets <laughs> in life. When I had an opportunity, I should have made a study Bible and put Constable's notes in it. But every year he updates them. They're free PDF, Word document. Just put Constable study notes in your search engine. Voila, you got the best study Bible you'll ever have. Print them out as needed or put them on your tablet. All right, let's go on then. Cross-references. Uh, now, let's talk about breaking in a Bible. You spent 200 bucks. You looked at four or five, maybe you spent 100 maybe $50. And you know what? You get it and you open it up and you start reading. What are we going to read first? Uh, what book? We're at Matthew, I guess. Okay, we're going to Matthew. What's going to happen now when I have a brand new Bible and I spend weeks or months reading Matthew. It's always going to open up in Matthew. Bingo. It's got a permanent crease. So what you do, and this is painful for obsessive compulsives, you buy a brand new Bible and you listen to a podcast, maybe one of our podcasts, <laughs> I don't know, and you take the Bible and hand it watch me and I open every single page I have in my lap and I gently run my hand over the crease like I'm opening up and here's the hard part. You get to the first page and you do this. Oh, you no. gently pull it no. from the, gently, ever so gently, each page, one at a time. For like it'll take you, it'll take pages. It'll take you about 40 <laughs> minutes. Take your time. But if you do that, I've done that to this Bible. You can tell I've barely used it. It yeah. doesn't fall open to yeah. one place. Yeah. Now that's an, you know. OCD or CDO, depending on your thing. If you're going to spend 100 200 bucks on a Bible, 
that's a worthy exercise. So, yeah, you should do that. So, yeah. it, you know, I think last... about I would get a new softball glove and I'd break, spend time breaking my glove, watching TV with my rubber band and the ball. And yeah, okay. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. You can even watch TV if you want to do it. Oil. Podcasts would be better. Yeah, would. Better, <laughs> better for your mind and soul, I would say. I don't know. I don't know. Then one other thing about leather, and I'm not the expert on this, and I've tried several products. They even make these Bible, you know, like the little wipe things you you know yeah. don't do them. Yeah. Lexol, I think, is a two part thing you can buy at an automotive store. Mm-hmm. That's the one I found that's best. Now, when you recondition a Bible, it's going to be gooky and slimy and weird for a while. So you want to follow the directions. Be careful, especially if you get a bonded leather. You're going to want to condition it because it's going to start showing wear very yeah. quickly. So just be sure you don't you know, ruin your new Bible. And then lastly, marking pins. Well, that's um, what I was going to say. People are always, what pen do you use? Oh, what I get that question all the time. Use? What? So yeah. in my briefcase, in my home study area, in my travel briefcase, I have a set of three color pens, black, red, and blue. And they are, because you have better eyes than me, I think they're called a deluxe, micro deluxe uniball. Deluxe micro Deluxe uniball. micro. It must have the words deluxe micro. It sits on top of paper. It does not bleed, and they are waterproof. Now, why does that matter? Use a pen that smudges, and you get tear, coffee, humidity yeah. on your hand. The other thing is there are these pens at the fabric store, and I failed to look them up, but they come in you know, three, six, ten packs, and uh-huh. they're like one millimeter micro points. Uh-huh. And a woman introduced them to me. I think she was in precept. They really work well, uh-huh. and they come in a little plastic case. But you want anything you buy, you want to test it. Do not buy or use roller balls. Mm-hmm. Ballpoint pens are fine. Yep. But ballpoint pens will leave that little mark kinda, divot. Kinda, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They kind of leak a little bit when you when you uh, underline them. You uh, know. Yeah, yeah. But check it to see because these papers to get this big book in this format, they want to use a thin India paper. In fact, most of them have been made in China now. That's a big problem because they're falling apart. But all that to say, if you want to mark up a Bible with no disrespect to K. Arthur and Precept, I am anti highlighting because mm-hmm. highlighting over the years, will decompose the paper. They do make some special ones. They make some dry ones. I've still seen old Bibles that literally they are translucent where they had used a yellow or blue or pink highlighter. So I'm anti-highlighting. I'm also anti-too many colors. You can also use just a a nice pencil. I've got Uh a, what are those pencils called? Mechanical pencil with HB lead. And you can use like a five millimeter or seven millimeter. And you, growing up, I've always seen you keep some kind of ruler in mm-hmm. your Bible to help you with underlining. But you used, I opened this one because I saw one, but it's not what I thought it was. You used to have rulers that had like shapes Templates, yeah. inside. Yep. Yeah. Do you still do that? I actually, like no, I don't. I actually or... designed one. I actually designed one and it was going to be sort of a much reduced version of the preset markings. And a friend of mine did it all to scale, and we went to three or four companies that made those, and nobody would do it, so I gave up. But anyway, hmm. I just I have an old daytimer one, and I have I like these real thin ones that don't they aren't thick in my Bible. Yeah, like but that yeah, one. Yeah, use that because yeah, when you're if you're just telling people to underline, it can look real sloppy and janky, and you actually get on the word, and mm-hmm. and so it is nice to have yep. a ruler. Or and and I help. can't draw a straight line yeah, to I save can, my life. Yeah, I can't either. Most people can't. <laughs> So anyway, so that's how Michael easily picks a Bible, uses a Bible, 
what more do I need to say? <laughs> no, I, I think it, I think it just comes down to go check some Bibles out, really look at them, and especially on the inside, and see what you like. Because if you are opening your Bible and it's two columns and there's so many cross references and it's just there's no place to write a note, like it's not going to be as an enjoyable of an experience for you if you get one that you open it and you kind of ah, sigh yeah, of relief yeah. of this is great. I you know so. Well, to me, this is not just a book. This is the Word of God in print. It's a treasure in the sense that we get to read it. Yeah. And I think spend some money on them. Invest on a really nice text. Take care of it. I had a friend in seminary that kept his in a box. The box it oh, came I've, in. I've seen people carry He duct taped the box, the box uh-huh. because you spend 200 bucks on a Bible yeah. You know, if you're carrying a briefcase. And, of course, they used to have the cases with handles on them that people don't use anymore. But the thing that I'm shocked with, Hannah, and maybe it's just our times, but even churches that teach the Bible, you won't see people carrying a Bible into church. That's fine. I'm not mad about it. I just think it's a loss of not depending so heavily on technology and the tactile part of turning pages, of reading, of underlining, of circling. And a lot of times, like in the Psalms particularly, if I have a chiasm going or a repetitive word, I'll do this connect the dot thing. Mm-hmm. So this is Psalm 111 I just opened to, and the word forever occurs several times. So I put a box around forever, and then I took my real light pencil, and I just connected them all. So next time I go, I see mm-hmm. what I the saw that time, because I won't see it again. Right. And then verses that really stand out, and this one was about a friend of mine. I read it, and I thought, that applies to my friend so-and-so, and I wrote his name in the margin. And you asked me this earlier. I have four Bibles done, quote-unquote. They're all marked up. One I gave to your sister already. This one I have here will be yours when I get it recovered. And then I've got two more for my younger children. And then you've asked me to do it for your children. I may not live that long. (laughs) (laughs) But all the notes and little things and observations, I write in the margin of my Bible and give them to my children and my grandchildren, and they'll put it on a shelf and never look at it again. No. (laughs) That's not true. At least some of us. All right, well, if you've got a question for Dr. E, text us, call us, email us. The info is in the show notes. Ask Dr. E is part of the Michael Easley in Context ministry. You can find more shows and biblical resources at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. <laughs>